0: News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Hong Kong health officials are looking into whether a man has been infected with COVID-19 for a second time. An expert warns the infectivity rate of the virus is going to rise in the coming days. And a couple who argued with a man just before he was set on fire last year are acquitted of inciting a breach of the peace. The Centre for Health Protection is investigating whether a man has been reinfected with COVID-19 four months after he was discharged from hospital. The 33-year-old IT worker was confirmed to have coronavirus in March and left hospital in mid-April after later testing negative. He travelled to Spain earlier this month and tested positive for the virus once again when he arrived back in Hong Kong on Saturday. Dr. Shuk Kwan says health officials will carry out blood tests and genetic sequencing to find out whether he has been infected for a second time.
1: The COVID-19 is a new infection. It's still very new, so we under—I I mean, our understanding of this virus evolves during the pandemic. I think there are two main possibilities: either he is a persistent carriage of the virus, yeah, but he has been tested negative during discharge, and the second possibility is reinfection. So I think this needs to be thoroughly studied by some experts and uh, with more tests.
0: Hong Kong has recorded 44 new coronavirus cases today, including 13 infections among people returning from overseas. Various measures to try to stem the spread of coronavirus which were due to expire tomorrow are being extended for another week. These include the two-person gathering limit, the requirement to wear masks in public places, restrictions on restaurants and the closure of various businesses. The government says it understands that people are starting to get tired of the measures but says it's highly worrying that chains of transmission are persisting in the city despite what it describes as extensive testing. Public health medicine specialist Gabriel Leung has warned that a recent increase in the number of people going out means the infectivity rate of coronavirus is also poised to rise within the next few days. Professor Leung, who's the Dean of Medicine at Hong Kong University, says transport data shows people are making more journeys in the SAR, which he describes as a sign of fatigue in the battle against the virus. He expects the RT number, which indicates how widely the virus is spreading, to go up.
1: Now is definitely not yet time to consider lifting any of the physical distancing measures yet. We should hold fast for one to two more weeks. And by then, hopefully, we will be able to observe that the RT will continue to dip. Secondly, we would see this reflected in the daily reported number of cases.
0: To other news, a couple have been found not guilty of provoking an attack on a man in Maung San last year in which the victim was set on fire. The couple were caught on camera just before the horrific incident, shouting and swearing at the man. Damon Pang reports.
2: Nobody's been arrested to date for setting the man on fire last November. But police arrested and charged a couple over their altercation with the man just before the attack. The victim had been expressing pro-Beijing views at a time when Hong Kong was being rocked by anti-government protests and he got into an argument with several people on a footbridge near Ma On Shan MTR station. The couple were accused of disorderly behaviour with the intention of causing a breach of the peace or in this case, inciting the attack on the man. Eastern Magistrate Arthur Lam said the couple had used unfriendly language to try to get the man to leave and they had been rowdy. But they never said or even hinted that they would hurt him. Mr. Lamb said he could not conclude that the couple's behaviour had led to the attack. The victim testified that he was very scared of being assaulted at the time. But the magistrate rejected this, saying nobody had prevented the man from leaving the scene and he had actually returned to continue the quarrel after briefly moving away at one point. The man suffered serious burns to his face in the attack and spent months in hospital.
0: The pro-democracy camp says most of its lawmakers are inclined to stay in LegCo over the coming 12 months. Beijing has extended the council's current term because the next elections have been put back by at least a year. Some pandems, including Zhu Hoi Dick and Ray Chan, have called for a boycott, arguing that lawmakers don't have a mandate to continue. But the camp says discussions are still taking place on what members should do. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. An infectious disease expert and local trade unions have agreed that there's no need to shut down the quieting container terminal, despite a growing cluster of coronavirus cases there. Unionists are instead calling for companies to improve the state of communal facilities at the terminal to prevent the virus from spreading among workers. Francis Sitt reports.
3: Health authorities are rushing to try to contain an expanding outbreak at the Ching container terminals. Employees of Wanki Port Operation Services, where most of the related infections came from, have been quarantined. A room worker slept and ate in has also been closed and facilities disinfected but the chairman of the Container Transportation Employees' General Union, Chen Dixel, believes that the outbreak there is still expanding. He says beside a thorough cleanup, companies at the terminal should also provide more resting rooms for workers, with measures taken to ensure adequate social distancing. Mr Chen knows that freight personnel can spend long periods of between 24 and 72 hours at the site, and they share rooms with dozens of other people during their rest periods. The Confederation of Trade Unions' Wong Yuloi also says it's a good opportunity for companies to improve staff resting areas, which are usually crowded, with 20 or more people using shared bunk beds.
1: During the night time or during the daytime, there will be another shift working on board and the other shift will take a rest. And we call it a hotbed shift because the bed will never get cool as people keep sleeping on that bed. The terminal operator have the resources to build more restroom for the workers. No need to squeeze into a single container box so they can try to separate people and avoid people gathering into a small area.
4: Mr.
3: Wong also says there should be some changes to schedules to allow for these communal rooms, which are used 24 hours a day, to be disinfected. But both unionists said the outbreak at the terminal has not reached a point where a complete shutdown is needed, as the move would affect workers' livelihood as well as related industries. Chinese University infectious disease expert Professor David Ho agrees, saying closing the whole terminal means Hong Kong will lose access to a lot of useful materials. He said the infected workers likely picked up the virus from shared resting rooms or directly from crew members from ships docked at the port. He thinks it's enough to just suspend operations of the affected firms, disinfect the facilities and test all potentially exposed terminal workers.
0: Francis sit with that report. A professor of public health says contact tracing is a much more efficient method of finding coronavirus cases than trying to test everyone in Hong Kong. The government says it will shortly offer a free COVID-19 test to anyone who wants one, and it expects up to 5 million people to sign up. But Benjamin Cowling of the University of Hong Kong says he thinks the exercise would only find around 100 to 200 infections.
5: That's an enormous amount of money to get mostly negative results. We could still find most of those 100-plus people who are currently infected but not yet recognized as infected. We could find many of those people by contact tracing. We wouldn't find everyone, but it would be a much more efficient way to find the majority of infected persons.
0: The Professional Teachers' Union has warned that dozens of struggling kindergartens could go to the wall unless the government offers subsidies to keep them going until face-to-face learning resumes. The union says it polled almost 40% of kindergartens earlier this month. Half said they expected to lose 50% or more of their pupils and more than 170 of the 415 principals questioned said they would run out of money in six months or less. Garson Cheng is the head of a kindergarten in Chau.
2: If we don't have this kind of subsidy, then I think that many kindergartens, more than the survey result, I think, would be close up. This is affecting the children because if the school close up, they can't go back to school actually. They can't learn, they can't enjoy their social life, they can't have enough exercise, okay, that is affecting their whole person
0: development. A group set up by pro-establishment figures to monitor the work of district councillors has accused pro democracy members in Sha Tin of abusing their majority to deny funding to groups linked to the pro-government camp. Violet Wong reports.
4: The group Sha Tin District Council of Surface says in the past decade or two, various organisations have received funding for recreational events like local day trips or carnivals. But it says since the Pan-Democrats took control of the council last year, These groups' requests have been rejected because of their links to pro-government bodies or figures. The group says it's now planning to go to the ICAC to accuse the councillors of misconduct in public office. A group spokesman Michael Ho from the Federation of Trade Unions says at least 10 groups which received funds from the council in the past have not been allocated anything at all recently. DAB lawmaker Elizabeth Court, a former Sha Tin district councillor, says requests to fund Chinese opera performances have been rejected, probably because they engage pro-establishment figures as consultants. Meanwhile, she says the council has approved more than $2 million for the Sha Tin Arts Association to host similar events. Ms Kuo says this raises questions as the chairman of Sha District Council, the Democratic Party's Ching Cheng Ying is a director of the association. I think
6: Sha District Council will not talk to us because we tried to contact them and they said they have no time to talk with us. So I think what our next step is, we will report the case to ICAC and we will also Arrange a meeting with HAB to uh, discuss about this matter to see what the government can do to make a very clear instruction to the district council, what can do and what cannot be do. And I think this is only fair if
4: they can give a very clear instruction and regulations to all the applicants. RTHK has reached out to Mr. Ching for comment.
0: Human rights activists on the mainland and in Hong Kong have long supported each other in their common quest for greater freedom and democracy. But with the national security law now in effect in the SAR, activists from both sides of the border say they believe it will become more and more difficult to speak up for each other. Maggie Ho has more.
7: O Biao Feng and Chen Su Ming are both activists from Hunan province. Although they live more than 1,000 kilometers away from the SAR, they always pay close attention to political developments here. They say it's because they are grateful that Hong Kong people always follow the human rights situation on the mainland and say this facilitates what they call the advancement of mainland society. It means a lot to mainland dissidents and activists when people in Hong Kong help tell the whole world the stories of their struggles amid the authorities' crackdowns. But Mr. Oh, who during the Occupy Central movement in 2014 uploaded an image of him shaving his head as a gesture of support for the demonstrators, says the new security law may make mutual support more difficult than ever. Only when Hong Kong people's own basic rights, freedom and democracy can be safeguarded, can they offer more support to dissidents or activists, he says. Mr Chen was one of several mainland activists who supported last year's anti-government movement in Hong Kong by uploading a photo of himself covering his right eye. In protest against the police, alleged shooting of a protester in the eye, Mr Chen was detained and questioned. He says even though freedoms are narrowing both on the mainland and in Hong Kong, he will continue to speak up. I don't believe people born in China are inferior to people born in America, that we don't deserve the freedom and democracy they enjoy. I don't accept that, he says. The chairman of the Hong Kong-based China Human Rights Lawyers Concern Group, Albert Ho, says the security law inevitably brings some worries, but he's confident it will not deter people from safeguarding freedom of speech and says they will continue to offer moral support for mainland activists and dissidents.
0: The High Court has jailed a 39-year-old mechanic for eight years over a deadly explosion in a Wong Tai Sin garage. Timmy Sung reports
1: passing sentence, Judge Judy Annabelle said Lai Chihose's actions on April 26, 2015 were shocking and required a heavy sentence. She said Lai was not licensed to repair a taxi's liquefied petroleum gas tank and used what he knew to be an illegal procedure to do so. What's more, he closed the door of the garage to hide his actions, leading to a greater concentration of the gas. Three people, Liza's boss, a taxi driver and a woman in the next door, died in a subsequent blast. Justice Bun said she accepted Liza's argument that he was acting on the instructions of his late boss, but told him he still needed to take responsibility. She said the court needed to send a clear message that carrying out repairs without qualifications was dangerous. She deducted a year from his sentence due to the length of time that had passed before the trial. Earlier this month, A seven-member jury unanimously convicted Lai on all three counts. After hearing the sentence, Lai, his wife and other relatives burst into tears. Take care of yourself, his mother told him. I will wait for you.
0: A reminder of our top stories tonight. Hong Kong health officials are looking into whether a man has been infected with COVID-19 for a second time. An expert warns the infectivity rate of the virus is going to rise in the coming days. And a couple who argue with a man just before he was set on fire last year are acquitted of inciting a breach of the peace. The news from RTHK.
6: RTHK Radio
0: it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Rep programme. Lang Kwaifeng Group chairman Alan Zeeman has joined calls for the government to scale back COVID-19 restrictions on restaurants, saying many businesses are on the verge of going bust. He noted that some reports say the government is considering allowing restaurants to partially resume dining services in the evening from next week, saying that would be a welcome first step. He spoke to Jim Gould.
8: It's long been awaited. I think that uh, if they don't, if the government does not relax uh, the, the uh, restrictions for evening dieting, uh, you're going to have, uh, my prediction, is about 50% of the uh, people in the F&B business will go out of business. I mean, many, many of the operators, I've been getting calls from many, many operators, they're on life support, they're on their last legs at the moment. Uh, they've lost a lot of money in July. Uh, the revenue is not been good. You know, and you can't exist just from uh, two people... Uh, at lunchtime, to a table, uh, it just doesn't work. The, the numbers with the rents and all that in Hong Kong, and, and, and the staff salaries, it just doesn't add up. And so it, it's you know it's you know they, they estimate in, in July the catering industry lost about Hong Kong three billion dollars in revenue uh, for July alone. Uh, you know August uh, is. is also not looking good the thing that uh, most operators are saying to me is that um if it's okay for lunchtime, why can't you do a similar thing for not for, for the evening uh and i saw I saw that the government's now talking about uh, potentially next week doing uh from six o'clock till 10 p.m uh um to have in, in you know restaurant dining again two to a table it's a start We've got to start somewhere. The uh, COVID numbers are at least coming down. And so we've got to do whatever we can in order to make sure that uh, the, the, the businesses survive. If the health doesn't kill you, the economics will kill you. And I know it's a difficult balance for the government
0: but we've got to find a way to, to do it. Sure. Uh, last time restrictions were eased, um, infection clusters started appearing linked to uh, various restaurants across the city. I mean, how yes. confident are you that it could be done safely?
8: Uh, I think, I think uh, the restaurant operators have learned uh, uh, the way to... You know, to have the the distancing, the uh, 1.5 meter distancing between tables, uh, having you know the all the restrictions about uh, uh, the the masks, wearing the mask when you're coming in, all of the regulations that they follow, the temperature checks. I mean, uh, I think they're all everyone takes this very very seriously. Even for the lunch business now, I know anytime I walk into any restaurant, I see everything. Everybody takes it very, very seriously. So I think that, uh, listen, this might be something that we have to live with. Uh, hopefully a vaccine comes and, 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 uh, and, and helps the, 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 to eradicate this COVID-19, but it might be something that we have to live with in the future. And, and the, the winter is coming. We've seen what's happened in Australia and New Zealand where they have the winter months at the moment and, and, uh, the numbers have spiked there. And so, um, We just have to find the right balance. Otherwise, jobs will be lost. The government cannot keep supporting uh, the economy with uh, money, because uh, with grants, because they'll run out of the reserves, which is something that we don't want to do as well. And so uh, I think the balance is really important. And I, I think if you open for dinner business, it will be the same as lunch business. The lunch business so far has proved pretty successfully without many people getting infected. I, I think the same thing will happen in the night time business. Mm. And it's only uh, the beginning 6 to 10pm. I, I think that's
0: fine. Making it through Hong Kong's often gruelling education system to gain a university spot is tough for anyone. But multiple studies have shown the odds are even more stacked against ethnic minority students who often struggle learning Chinese. This year, the University of Hong Kong says it's accepted 78 local ethnic minority students, up 22% from the previous year. Our reporter Priscilla Ng spoke to one of them to find out the secret behind his success.
6: It's a dream come true for 18-year-old Harry. Born to Indian parents and like many other ethnic minority students, he used to find Chinese to be exceptionally tough when he was studying in a local secondary school in Chengkwano. He was also worried his math score wouldn't meet the minimum requirement to be admitted to university. But the 18-year-old didn't give up. With the help of his brother, KJ, who was already studying science at the Hong Kong U at the time, Harry said he studied day in, day out, hoping to follow in his brother's footsteps. But that wasn't the only reason why Harry was so set on Hong Kong U.
1: In the Harry Potter movies, they have um, a big entrance hall in the Harry Potter movie, and they have four tables aligned for different houses. And I think that's the same as the high table dinner, because he's, my brother sent me a picture when he was in uh, university, He showed me that it looks very similar and he even told me if you get in, you'll be able to sit here. And I wanted to study more to get in so I could experience something not quite as Harry Potter but something related.
6: In the end, his DSE result was impressive enough to land him a place at Hong Kong U's Journalism School. Harry said he's extremely excited about starting a new phase in life.
1: I was also always very curious and as journalism is a communication intensive course, I was also very keen on... uh, the communication activities in my secondary school. I used to join a lot of public speaking activities, so I thought that made me outgoing. I was always sharing a lot of news. I don't know why, it just made me happy.
6: Harry's secondary school principal, Alan Lai, is pleased Harry got exactly what he wanted, saying he's done a lot to encourage cultural integration in his school so as to boost the Chinese proficiency of ethnic minority students. Mr. Lai added that a lot of work is being put into encouraging these students, many of whom come from grassroots families, to aim high.
1: Maybe their parents or maybe their neighbors, they all work as maybe uh, not so high social class uh, occupation. Um, That's why we offer many, many opportunities for them to uh, know more about different occupations and that's why they can know more about uh, different professional so uh, they can have a higher aim uh, to work hard, to study hard, to get into the university and they can have a better future.
6: The school head said he's confident many other ethnic minority students can also achieve their dreams just like Harry, so long as they are given the proper resources and training.
0: Workers at factories in Belarus answered opposition calls for fresh strikes today after a historic weekend protest over President Alexander Lukashenko's disputed re-election brought tens of thousands to the streets. While he insisted that he won the poll with 80% of the vote, his opponents say the election was rigged. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Moscow correspondent, Fred Weir, what he thought would happen next. The
9: protests have, have really taken off. They've acquired a nationwide scale that we've never seen before, and it's across classes. Like previously in in cycles of electoral uh, turmoil, it was the professional class, the educated liberal intelligentsia who took to the streets over this. Now it's everybody, It's it's the workers in big plants, agricultural workers like uh, I I read that a half a million people were in the streets over the weekend and in a country of 10 million that's that's really significant I think it's unstoppable uh so the question now is how does a transition take place uh Lukashenko doesn't seem to be able to uh, address this it's way past the time when he he might have it so probably he's going to go uh and it's just a question of who will mediate that because the opposition as powerful as it is is leaderless pretty much uh it is entirely orchestrated through a telegram channel uh which is really on top of what's happening but it's faceless the kgb doesn't know whom to arrest for that so uh by the same token, I don't think that the Belarusian authorities know who to go and talk to or negotiate with. Uh, so I, I think there's a strong possibility of Russian mediation. The Russians have a, have a big uh, stake in all this. Belarus is a military ally of Russia, uh, though I, I strongly doubt that uh, any like security forces will be sent to help Lukashenko keep control. They might go to the border Uh, just to warn NATO and and let's hope that NATO uh, isn't going to do anything there, anything that might be perceived as provocative. Uh, So we, we, we should look forward to a transition in Belarus in the next several days.
10: But does that mean that this young opposition leader will become the new president?
9: But she herself said she wasn't going to become president if she was elected. She said she would simply arrange free and fair elections. Uh, and that would be the sum total of what she did. Uh, as, so um, it, it's quite, as I said, ambiguous. It's hard to know uh, what uh, what could happen. And, and I don't think that uh, uh, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya is really the leader of these protests. She's sort of a figurehead. And um, so it, it, is, it is going to be interesting to see how this plays out and who mediates. If uh, the Poles and Baltic states come in to mediate, that will represent one thing, and it will really inflame the Russians. But if something is done with Russian mediation, I think that could work. I think the Russians are also sick and tired of Lukashenko and, and would like to replace him. Uh, I don't know whether they've actually been actively engaged in this color revolution like thing but it could play to putin's advantage big time uh if he plays his cards right so but it what comes next i don't know there's huge demonstrations again today uh, i read the telegram channel and i see that like it's, it's really picking up steam so something has to happen soon
0: Indoor theatres and concert halls in England are finally allowed to let in audiences once more, as long as they're suitably socially distanced. Open air venues got the go-ahead last month and a handful of productions emerged. The biggest is the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, which has just opened in London. The BBC's Vincent Down finds out how you have to rehearse for a big show in 2020. A baking hot
10: afternoon in Regent's Park, London. Up in the open, fan shaped auditorium, choreographer Drew McConey is rethinking where some of Superstar's cast of 22 should dance.
0: Josh, can you go
5: out to six and Barney to four, please? And then Charlotte to five. And you know who...
0: Each
10: performer has a space defined by numbers on the stage, which imply a two metre grid. One.
7: Two, three, four. Save tomorrow for tomorrow. Think
5: about two things. What's the bus? Tell me what's the the bus.
10: Tim Sheeder runs the venue as a whole, and he's co directing this show.
5: I mean it's so terribly exciting that indoor theatre is going to be able to reopen, but the thing that I've learned the most is working on the set itself is essential and socially distance them getting on and off the stage. It sounds so simplistic but actually is incredibly complicated.
10: But Shida says superstar was the one show they'd done recently which he knew he and the cast could rework to face coronavirus realities.
5: We're taking each challenge as a creative exercise and a a use of our imaginations, which we're all very happy to be using again, and to entertain people and allow people to be transported to a different existence for a while. So we're trying to keep coronavirus things off stage as much as possible. Masks appear at the beginning of the show and then they come off in a particular famous fanfare Of music.
10: Tim Sheed has had to accept an audience cap of around 400, a third of what it was when the show was done here in 2017. Muna Memon is back to re-rehearse her former role as Mary Magdalene.
3: I mean, the thing that I probably found the most difficult is not being able to touch anybody. Um, We have to stay two metres apart when we're rehearsing on stage, if we're singing towards someone, we have to stay three metres apart. You're projecting a lot, you're using your whole lung capacity. And sometimes you might catch yourself getting a little bit too close and you've just got to make sure that you don't. But hopefully we'll be able to show other theatres that it is possible to do something like this. You just have to be so careful.
10: Some performances are already sold out. That's good news for non open air theatres elsewhere, hoping their audiences, permitted at last to return to much loved auditoriums, will feel confident about doing so.
0: Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic,
10: don't hold gatherings or join large-scale activities. Event organizers should adopt contingency measures to postpone or cancel events or temporarily close facilities. The public should avoid crowded places as far as possible. Don't host or join gatherings with family and friends. Find an open space to stretch social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19.
6: Radio 3, weather.
5: A look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow, mainly cloudy with a few showers with sunny intervals in the morning squally thunderstorms and more showers later. Temperatures will range between 26 and 32 degrees and the winds we can expect will be moderate east to northeasterly and strengthen gradually later. There'll also be swells. The outlook windy with heavy squally showers and thunderstorms on Wednesday seas will be rough with swells and still showery on Thursday Currently the air quality health index is low with readings of and 2. Air temperatures 28 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 82%. RTHK Radio Stream. You'll be your woman
8: Say is not your kind. my Yeah. <laughs>
5: Getting us started for the final stage of the late show for Monday, the 17th of August 2020. Neil Diamond, girl, you'll be a woman's. Simon Wilson sitting in for Uncle Ray the world's most durable DJ is sheltering in place during this current Covid spike moving on we have Assorted Ballads, easy listening through till 1 get your requests in 233 266 is the number coming up before the night is out we've got some winners, Johnny Rivers Lee Marvin, all sorts of goodies, first though here's the king <laughs>
10: lonely days and a dozen times
5: ago I reached out one night and you were gone Don't know why you'd run What you're running to or from All I know is I want to bring you
8: home So I'm walking in the rain Thumbing for a ride on this lonely